Welcome to ICTUS, the evolving conductor, your source for everything conducting, teaching, and lifelong learning on and off the podium. Treat yourself to a dose of musical inspiration as we pick the minds of great conductors. I'm your host, Lisa Tatum. Bonus episode time. I wanted to take a moment and introduce you all to a fantastic new organization. Thank you so much for joining us for our very first roundtable discussion on ICTUS. Today, I have some of the founders and creators of a brand new group called Girls Who Conduct. We're going to go around and just hear a little bit about some of our guests today, starting with Caitlin Bove. Thank you so much, Lisa. I am Caitlin Bove. I'm the director of instrumental music at Pierce College in Puyallup, Washington and a co-founder of Girls Who Conduct. I'm also kind of our band representative person in the group of co-founders. I love it. I'm so glad you're here with us today. All right, Michelle. Hi, thank you so much for having us today, tonight, whatever time you're listening. <laughs> I am a conductor from New Jersey, currently living in Brooklyn. I am an opera and orchestra conductor, was mostly a freelance opera conductor before opera was canceled due to COVID. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that restarting, hopefully soon. Everyone get your vaccine. And I am uh, I'm excited to be the co-founder of Girls Who Conduct. And I'm also a co-founder of a new orchestral ensemble called Protestra, Uh, which aims to raise awareness about human rights and social justice issues through the lens of classical music. So I've been spending a lot of my time creating these projects and nonprofits during the pandemic. Very excited about those. Very cool. That's awesome. And our third and final guest today is Chowen Ting. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. And thanks for Lisa for having us. My name is Chowen Ting. I'm originally from Taiwan. And I live in Atlanta, Georgia, which is the hottest state now (laughs) and the wild west of the South, as we call it in our group. I am one of the co-founders of Girls Who Connect, and I am the symphonic representative of our group as Caitlin represents the band ensemble, and Michelle works more in the operatic field. I mostly work in symphonic orchestra and new music. I wanted to also mention that we have two other co-founders of our organization who are unable to join us today. They are Michelle DeRoso and Tanya Chapman-Mitt-Porkett. We also have a new member, Hannah Nachman, is, who is our core representative who just joined us recently. So thank you so much for having girls who conduct. I'm so excited to hear y'all talk about your organization. Could you just describe a little bit about what the purpose is for your organization and how you all got started together? I started this idea. I know a lot of people have been thinking a lot about this gender imbalance or subtle discriminations or bias that we encounter in this profession, both as trainees, students, or emerging artists. Recently, like about 10 years ago, people started to be a little more aware of this imbalance. And we saw this a lot, that Mary Asap was the only female music director of the major orchestras for 10 years until she steps down this year. There is not a second one. And since she's stepping down, there won't be another only female music director. 
However, there are several programs supporting women conductors since this 10 years, and one of the most prestigious or the Taki Fellowship that is supported by Mary Aslan. And there is the Hart Institute for Women Conductors support uh, like as part of the Dallas Opera educational program. And there is also one in UK that is really active, like pre that was pre-pandemic, that was founded by Alice Forham. And I was fortunate to be one of the first members of those programs supporting women conductor. And I talked to all this great professionals and I was wondering how we can really help more ladies, girls and women in every stages of this conducting pursuit. And this, I had this idea for many, many years, but just didn't feel that I had the right time and right team because we are always easy from engagement to engagement or going to rehearsals, planning the next meetings and suddenly everything shut down in March. And I thought there is no better time because we have all this time and we are also unemployed. We need something right. really meaningful to devote our time and energy to. So I talked to a lot of friends and I started stalking female conductors on social media. So whoever looks like a female with a baton, I send them a message, say, hey, um, I want to know your experience as a women conductor. Can you please share your experience and anything that you feel is lacking in this profession? And uh, over 100 women conductors responded. And wow. there was this need and like people sharing their experience from their beginning parts or like current state. Several people reached out saying that they're really passionate and um, really willing to help. So I kind of gathered this group of six amazing women, including myself, to start this program. So we've been talking and planning for several months now, and we are excited to launch our pilot and inaugural program this coming February. That's so exciting. One thing I was going to also add to that is specifically what I see our organization doing that's a little bit different than what of a lot the other women supportive organizations is that a lot of those organizations are there to help current women conductors whereas we're really focusing um, right now at least on reaching young women who are still in the stages of deciding what they're going to be doing with their lives and seeing whether or not conducting could even be something that is in their future you know, there's that quote of you can't be what you can't see. Right. And I don't think it applies to the four of us in this space right now, because all four of us managed to get to the places we are with likely very few female role models. I know I've never had a female role model or conductor even up till now uh, myself, but there's a lot of girls and women out there who who really do need that, I think, to to give themselves permission or that comfort level to, to feel like they belong in the space. And so we're trying to reach a much younger audience to bring them, if you will, into the fold and give them that support in those first few critical years as they're deciding whether or not they want to start down this path. That's awesome. It's so important for visibility to happen, for people to be seen, to know that something's possible. I completely agree with what Caitlin, what Caitlin said about you know, the fact that we're uh, aiming to work with younger women, that was something that really interested me about joining this team. And it's something I've been wanting to do for a while. So I was super excited when Chowan asked me to be part of the team. It's really fascinating, like as an opera conductor, 
you know, you work with a lot of amazing opera pianists, right? You're in opera rehearsal. Before you bring in the orchestra, you're working with singers and a pianist playing the opera production. And almost all of the male opera pianists, accompanists I know are like, oh yeah, I have aspirations to be a conductor or I'm also, I am also a conductor or like, since I already know the score so well, like I should be up there conducting. And most of the women pianists I know are not, they don't have those designs necessarily. They're like, oh yeah, I don't know that I would want that responsibility. And like, I'm happy to just do really well as a pianist. And you know, this isn't to say that people shouldn't want to remain a pianist or all pianists should conduct, but it's just, it's definitely a pattern I notice culturally where a lot of men just like assume, oh, I know a thing I should be in charge. And a lot of women are like, oh, well, the role I'm in is like great and I'm doing a really good job at it. I don't know, something culturally just, I think even encourages women subconsciously to be like, I'm in my place as a, in a supportive role. And like, you don't need to be, like you can lead, you know a lot and like you should be up there in charge. If like any man can go up there and be in charge, you should be up there in charge. And I, I think we need to encourage that culture shift from, from a young age. And so I'm so excited to work with young women conductors and like be role models for them and just encourage them to envision that for themselves. You all have an event coming up pretty soon that's specifically for younger conductors. Would y'all mind sharing about that? So what we are doing is launching our inaugural program. That's gonna be virtual and online. We, we do have aspirations of eventually meeting in person at some point yeah. down the road, but this first one will be through Zoom. And we have 36 fellows and a few auditors coming in for a six week course where we're going to do an introduction to conducting in terms of what the ensembles look like, how to get started even just thinking about programming, rehearsal technique, and then also some career ideas about different things you should be doing to prepare to become a conductor. And we're planning on supporting young women who and non-binary individuals as well, who may become future conductors, but even if they don't include that on their path. This is definitely going to be an opportunity for them to at least understand what this life pertains to and give them some ideas about just growing and developing in their leadership and their confidence. So we're hoping that anybody can take away a lot from the program. Exactly. And as Caitlin said, you know, we hope to meet in person in the future. This is kind of our, our pilot session, obviously over Zoom in the future, we whether, whether this fall, next spring, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, plans are underway. But we want girls to have the chance to actually conduct an ensemble and see what that's like. I mean, I had the idea I would like conducting when I went into college, but I just assumed I would. I had never tried it. And then once I was up in front of an orchestra for the first time, I was like, this is amazing. I have to do this. And so we're hoping that light bulb goes off over some young women's heads <laughs> through our program in the future. Right especially the way that the university system is in the United States. We all decide we're going to go major in music, right? It's interesting because no one really expects that they're going to go in as an undergraduate to be a conductor. And then you don't have your first conducting class until your junior year of school. So it's the first time that you really get to be in front of an ensemble. And what an interesting concept to start teaching those fundamentals to a much younger person so that they can work on those skills while they're continuing to grow their own musicianship at the same time. I just think that's fascinating. That's incredible. One thing I do want to add is this program is for girls whose ages are between 16 to 22. So like junior, sophomore, high schooler to college students. 
one of the reasons that we decided to start targeting this group is that it's the formative age when you kind of come to realize who you are, who you want to be, or who you could become. And a lot of the studies show that this is like this is the part that when you have exposures and probably because I have a different background from my colleagues, I do not have a music major for my undergrad. And I oh, wow. always knew that I wanted to be a conductor since I was a third grader. I knew I wanted to conduct if I choose to be a musician. So the cross question for me was if I wanted to be a musician or not. I had several other options, I thought to myself. And also one thing that I found that was super important was I went to a girls' high school. And researchers tell us that girls going to high, girls' high school don't feel that they have to compete with boys in choosing their careers. So girls going to a girls' high school more potentially like a more inclined in going to STEAM fields or fields that is traditionally dominated by men because they don't during that formative time they don't feel that they can't do anything because of their gender because they're competing with people of their all kinds in a sense. So that's one thing that we think it's like really important as also a first statement for girls who conduct because that's kind of we are we wanted to foster a really supportive community. Even if the girls come into our program don't end up being a professional conductor, that's totally fine. They might be uh, just a music lover um, who like to see a female music director or they become a board member of an arts organization or they just be a very supportive grandma telling their granddaughter, hey, you can be a superstar on the podium. And that's what we want to see just to normalize this. For our parents, it might be really terrifying when they went to a doctor's office and seeing a female physician. But now it's totally normal and people would prefer those because they're, you know, it's like a normal thing and girls would go grow up thinking, okay, I can be a great doctor. And now they think they can be a great vice president or presidents of some other countries. Yay. So that's kind of our future, kind of our mission and goals for this organization. Very, very cool. If you were speaking to some of our listeners for this podcast and research and analytics shows that 70% of listeners for this podcast specifically are, are male. And so speaking to some of those teachers out there who have young female students who hope to be leaders or hope to be conductors in the future, what are some ways that you could suggest that they support them or help show them what it's like or the possibilities of being on the podium? How can they support their students? I would say really just encourage them. And first, step one, just show that you believe in them. As adults in a young person's life, as mentors, as educators, we are able to influence a young person's almost sense of self and self-esteem. You know, it's a huge responsibility. And so I would say absolutely encourage uh, your young women students in that direction. If you notice a young woman musician 
has the kind of personality that's like in charge, in charge of their chamber group. You notice that they're organizing student events. They're taking the reins on a group project. Maybe encourage them in the, in the direction of, hey, you're a great musician and you show a lot of leadership skills. Maybe you would like to conduct because maybe they haven't seen a woman conductor before. Maybe they haven't thought of it. Maybe they aren't even, maybe they don't even know what they're going to major in yet. Maybe they haven't even considered a music major yet. I would say put that on their radar. And I would also say give them just leadership opportunities because a big part of conducting is learning the skill set but another big part is learning the leadership skill set of being confident and you know carrying on when you make a mistake and learning how to get a big group of people like willingly enthusiastically come along with you and your ideas you know and it's it's a big part of it is just working with people giving your young students but especially your young women students those opportunities could be really formative i think another thing i would add would be and this would be obviously you know, possibly painfully challenging, but to really look at how you do teach your students across the gender spectrum and to see if there are any kind of coded language or ways that you are dealing with female students versus male students versus anybody who's walking through your door in a different way. Maybe taping a conducting course and just seeing if you if you treat your uh, students of different genders any differently. Maybe even inviting a colleague to watch with you and give you some feedback on that. And I would say that it's true that obviously looking at a spectrum, but a, a male conductor versus a female conductor student, they're going to have different experiences that led them to sit in that seat when they're in your conducting class. So I think that's important to acknowledge that you're coming from a place where people are going to be treating you differently and to to put that out there in a way that students understand that you know about those inherent biases that are happening in the world but for you to also not contribute to it in any way and to check in with your female students if you don't feel comfortable asking them how how you're doing then maybe you need to make sure that you're you're active and consciously doing what you can to be supportive in a sense where you're building relationships to the point where they would hopefully feel comfortable in letting you know if there's work you could do to improve and in, in, in their support of them. Right. Absolutely. There's one thing specifically that you said that I want to make sure that I drive home for listeners. Record yourself. There's so many things that we do on the podium all the time, and we just don't even recognize them because it's just part of our habit or it's become so normalized to us. But when you video yourself, and yes, it can be painful to watch. <laughs> that's why you need to watch it because it's painful to watch so that you know exactly what you're talking about. Are you treating all your students the same? Are you talking to them the same? What things are coming out of your mouth that you can say better that will create a better inclusive environment for all of your students, not just some. Or body language even too. You know, if you feel comfortable adjusting your male conducting students postures but you don't want to touch your female students well you really shouldn't be touching anyone then because why give your male students the benefit of your physical adjustments if you can't do that with your female students and just see even you know there's a lot it's 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 a process and none of us are perfect at it but just being right. aware i just wanted to add that i think awareness is the most important thing because as caitlin and lisa said a lot of things are so natural and so like just habit you just do it always and you keep doing it because it works but not because it works because no one ever told you it's not working and then i think language is really important and if you start kind of monitoring what you say to your students we know that 
especially in letters of recommendations, teachers are going to praise male students as they are creative, they're curious, they are risk takers, while they say female students are well organized or good at following instructions, good listeners. Those are the kind of gender coded words that are not necessarily best representing your students or like your evaluation, your students' work. There is a lot of change going on. And I know Caitlin's involved with another group that is specifically for promoting change in the world. Would you mind speaking a little bit about that oh, while you're here? Yeah, sure. Uh, we started and we were heard back in the end of eight, 2018 with the idea of you're not programming works by by women, by non-binary composers, by composers of color, because you can't find them. And when you do find them, you can't hear them. There's no reference recording. So we do something about that by matching composers' scores, the submitted scores that we just have an open call for scores for, with ensembles who will rehearse, record, and perform. Often they're collaborating with the composers, so possibly little changes are being made during the rehearsal process and just getting the piece sparkling and beautiful and ready to go out into the world and make the composer hopefully lots of money. But it's just a way also for the ensemble director and the ensembles to make the connection with the composers because they are collaborating with them directly. And so we've been able to facilitate a lot of amazing relationships and future commissions and other things of that nature with that program. It's so exciting to see all these new groups being formed and making progress and change in the world, like And We Were Heard and Girls Who Conduct. This entire project started with the purpose of seeking great musicianship and finding great musicians. And I'm curious if any of y'all have any musicians or conductors that come to mind that you'd like to talk about that you think are really exemplary or really fantastic. I have been getting into a lot of female composers music recently and as a mostly band specialist, you know, a lot of them are doing band music or we're starting to commission them to come over to the band side of things and, and do band music. I've been following Catherine Lacuda for many years. I love her music and recently uh, commissioned Ingrid Stolzel, who's on the composition faculty at KU to compose a piece based on Hildegard von Bingen's music. And what's really cool about that is she's from the Rhine River Valley as well. So it's like a composer adapting music from another woman who lived a thousand years before her in the same part of the world. So that piece will hopefully launch when we can get back from the pandemic and play in person with full instrumentation. I'm going to be launching a consortium commissioning Allison Loggins Hull for a wind band piece that includes an electroacoustic track and also it'll be flexible instrumentation and at two difficulty levels. So it could be a piece that you can use for uh, recruitment with a college or high school or just a group with a big difficulty level difference between players. So I'm really excited about that. I love Holly Harrison's music. She's been writing a few new pieces for band, but also in, in other stuff. And I just, I love her voice. It's so authentic and, and interesting and modern. As far as conductors go, speaking in the band world, 
and good timing is Cynthia Johnston Turner is one of my, maybe my personal conducting hero. I think she's so amazing. And I think she's just everywhere trying to break down every barrier and every wall she possibly can. And I've told her to her face before, but I, I want to be her when I grow up. So I just, I always look <laughs> to her as such, as such an inspiration and a role model. Same. I love that. That's, that's amazing. I have to say, I'm only Facebook friend with Cynthia. I haven't met her. So I'm hoping that one day I'll meet her. To bring everything back full circle, if there were three things that you wanted our listeners to know about Girls Who Conduct, what would those three things be? Girls Who Conduct is an initiative created to empower and encourage the upcoming generation of women, women identifying, and non-binary conductors by providing a program for training, mentorship, and camaraderie in order to foster diversity and inclusion in classical music. We are excited to have very soon our inaugural session of courses for women we're excited to continue doing that in the future but in general our long-term goal is just to create a community of women musicians and conductors who can support each other and keep in touch and mentor one another you know we don't want young women to just come to our classes and then be like bye good luck you know enjoy good luck out there we are hoping to keep in touch we want to keep mentoring these students and we're hoping as they grow older and into the profession that they can help us mentor the new incoming class of young women so it's just going to be this big community of women musicians supporting women musicians and if you like what we are doing and want to support us, you can either donate on our website, girlswhoconduct.org, or if you want to volunteer and help us with any of the skills that you might have, we are totally welcome volunteers. So just get in touch if you want to support us. Thank you. I love that. That is awesome. I'm so glad y'all are here to share all of that with everybody. We're going to end with some rapid fire questions. The first question is a concert that you'll never forget. Hard to pick, but one that was more recent. A couple years ago, I saw Barbara Hannigan conduct the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra in Miami. First time seeing her perform live, and she is just such a magnetic presence, so musical, just had the orchestra in the palm of her hand. End of the concert singing, conducting, just absolute goals. The concert I want to talk about is the first time I saw Berlin Philharmonic. It's in 2004. I was doing um, study abroad in Netherlands and then traveled to Germany to just have fun. And I got the students' rush tickets and sat on the choral bench on stage behind the timpanist. That was the first time that as a violinist, I learned how loud brass and timpani were. I don't remember who the conductor was, but I know that they played Symphony Fantastic as the second half of the program. And that's the concert that made it me wanting to be a conductor. So cool. That's, I told to myself, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Uh, 2018, I drove five hours from Kentucky to Asheville, North Carolina to a John Cage rehappening festival and saw Roomful of Teeth perform in like a barn. And I was in the front row and they were like, I could feel their air hitting me in the face. And it was 90 minutes of goosebumps. Like these people are so amazing. I've never experienced goosebumps for that long. Like I should have gone to the hospital afterwards. It was so good. And then I drove home another five hours. It was a long day. Those are some great concerts to remember. Oh my gosh. Next question. The best meal you've ever eaten. Okay. This is actually a tragic story. 
Upstate New York, there's this really great restaurant nearby in Cooperstown called Origins Cafe. They have like organic menu and it's like a fusion of different cuisines. Amazing. So one evening, I think I had beef tacos or something. It was like this prefix taco meal with like fresh organic vegetables, all this stuff. One of the most amazing meals I've ever had. And I was like really full. So I wrapped one of the tacos to bring home. And guess what I did? I left the box on the table. And like three years later, I'm still upset about it. R.I.P. But the one taco I had is the best meal I've ever had. And I will never stop being upset about that leftover taco I never got to eat. Oh, man. <laughs> the poor taco. <laughs> All right. This is not the like most correct answer, but really my first, the first thing that came to my mind was the Turkish kebab, AKA like grilled meat on the stick that I had in, in Istanbul. They are just so delicious. That sounds a lot more accessible than my answer, which was like this very high end sushi place in Seattle, <laughs> Sushi Kashiba. I got omakase there for my birthday last year and it was just like, thank you so much. Everything was so delicious. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Delicious. Okay, next question. Who is your musical hero? My background is a pianist, and I will never be this level of amazing concert pianist, but my two heroes are Martha Argerich and Mitsuko Ishida. I just remember listening to their piano recordings. I saw Mitsuko Ishida in concert. I've never seen Martha Argerich in concert. That is the dream. But they just both roll out there and have this stage presence and like this crazy hair and are just like these powerful musical performers, and it's just like an absolute inspiration of female musicality and leadership. And uh, amazing. Love both of them. Beethoven, Beethoven, Beethoven. I know this is so politically incorrect, but that's what I grew up to. And my mom had a really mean, angry Beethoven portrait on my on top of my piano. And it felt like like whenever I'm not practicing right, he is staring at you. And I had nightmares if I'm not doing my best. So it's, it's just my God, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Fantastic. This explains a lot, Chowen. <laughs> I'm Asian, so. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm gonna have the opposite, equally as cringy response from Chowen and say my students, <laughs> because they're like, I, I, I have big tr major trust issues with people in general. So I don't wanna have like a hero who can just disappoint me in the future. But my students, I get to know so well and, and just the relationships we build and watching them go from, you know, tiny little baby birds to just doing such amazing things with their lives and in our concerts and just, you know, as I see them grow up and do all these awesome things, I just, they're, they're somebody I can just totally get behind and just support and love unconditionally. So I feel okay with them being my heroes. I think that's a great hero to have. Last one, ladies. What's one thing that you're grateful for right now? I am really grateful for the projects I'm working on, such as Girls Who Conduct and my new ensemble, Protestra, that I mentioned that focuses on social justice issues as an orchestral ensemble. And I'm really grateful for the fact that people are excited about them. And I'm honestly really heartened to see that our culture is at the point where a Rapidly growing number of people are hungry for change and for equity and inclusivity. It gives me a lot of hope. I'm really grateful that the pandemic brought people closer in a sense that we're now stuck at home. 
but that gave us the opportunity to meet people who you might never had the opportunity to re- meet or talk face to face virtually. And this connection and the field of the like, support of the community is just really wonderful. And I also want to thank my family for being supportive of all the crazy projects that I'm in, or like waking up in the middle of the night to <laughs> have meetings and all that. I am grateful for therapy, which I started right when the pandemic started. So it was really good timing. I don't know what I would be, where I would be right now without having someone to talk to and working on just feeling like in a more stable spot in my life and uh, excited about my future. So I love therapy. Therapy is not just for people who are depressed. Therapy is not just for people who have hit rock bottom. Therapy is for all. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that today, Caitlin. It's great when they're not a musician too, because you explaining all the intricacies of how stuff works in music, they're just like, really? That doesn't sound like that important. Maybe calm down. And it's really great to hear that sometimes. I'm right there with you. Oh. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to seeing where your organization goes, and I'm really looking forward to collaborating with you all in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for having us. You can find more information about Girls Who Conduct at girlswhoconduct.org. You can find Ictus on Facebook and Instagram at IC2US. That's at Ictus. If you've been enjoying the show, don't forget to hit subscribe. And I'd ask, would you consider telling your friends about it or leaving a review so more people can find it?